Hello and welcome to Local Matters. I'm Caroline Moore and today I am chatting with local educator Luke Anderson. Hello. Thank you so much for coming in, Luke. Oh, thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Now, before we dive into all things education, where are you from? I'm originally from Edmond, Oklahoma. A Midwestern boy. Yeah. (laughs) Oklahoma is its own weird thing. Like, it's not exactly Southwest. It's not exactly South. Not exactly Midwest. It's like a weird conglomeration of all of it. What was your hometown like? Um, it's a suburb of Oklahoma city. And so I am definitely a city mouse, um, which is funny because now I live in a small, more rural town. So that's been an adventure, but yeah, I grew up, uh, just outside of Oklahoma city. Um, it's hot, it's windy, um, not as pretty as here, I would say. (laughs) What were your childhood interests growing up? Were you always into education and teaching and I grew up in an educator family, and so my family has always been either education adjacent or in the field itself. All four of my grandparents were educators. My mother works for a university, um, and so it's just always my brother's a teacher, my sister-in-law's a teacher, my spouse is a teacher, so I've always been surrounded by education, even though I didn't start in education myself, but I think it's just where I was supposed to be, and it's always been part of my life in some way, shape, or form, So, um, but I wasn't a kid who sat around and fake taught class or anything like that. Um, but I'm a, I'm the oldest child, oldest grandchild on both sides. I've always been kind of in a leadership position in a way. And so I think that postured me well for education. Where did you go to school? What did you study? So I went to Oklahoma Christian University, which um, if you are familiar more with this area, it's a sister school to Lipscomb. So it's similar to that, but smaller. Um, it's a small church of Christ school there. And so I went there partially because my grandfather worked there. He was an executive vice president. My mother has worked there for most of my life. And I kind of grew up as a campus brat. My brother and I grew up in the summers running around campus and it just felt like home and it was an easy transition. It was in my hometown as well. Um, also I knew that there were some programs that I was interested in being part of there. Like for instance, I studied abroad in Vienna and had known for years that I wanted to be part of that program because I had heard of it for a lot of years growing up. And so um, it was a just a good fit for me. I got to run track there. So that was really nice to get the opportunity for college athletics. So You casually mentioned that you ran track. <laughs> you were an all-American athlete. I was. <laughs> I was. That takes a lot of discipline Can you tell us exactly what an All-American athlete is? Yes. So in the category that Oklahoma Fit, Oklahoma Christian Fit, which was NAIA, um, if you go to nationals, if you are one of the top six at nationals, then you're considered an All-American. And so I was an All-American in hurdles. I was a hurdler and then in some sprint relays. And so both for indoor and outdoor track, I was able to to earn the accolades in both. Outdoor's a little harder because not every university has an indoor program just because the facilities are a little more expensive and harder to come by. And so outdoor is really kind of the one that you really, really want to make sure that you get as well because it kind of validates that you're competing against all the best of the best from that category. Um, and it's funny because... When I first started running track, I was terrible. Like my dad 
literally tried to talk me out of continuing running because I would come home from meets with bloody knees, bloody hands, because I would fall over them all the time. I was actually really short. Right now I'm 6'3", but when I started track, I was not. I was in the front row of all the pictures when I was in elementary school. My mom's 5'2", my dad's like 5'9", 5'10". And so we had no idea that I was going to turn into the the tall drink of water that you see before you right now. Um, but, uh, so my dad actually, tra- he felt bad for me because I kept coming home bloody, but I just loved it. I really enjoyed it. I had a great coach, both in middle school and in high school. And so I was really lucky to have somebody that was encouraging and I just enjoyed it. And I kept working really, really hard and then getting the few extra inches that I was growing during high school. And then in college, I was able to transition. Well, actually the hurdle height goes up And so it was three extra inches in college. And so it was really helpful that I grew all the way through my freshman year. And so that made me be even more competitive in college than I was in high school because I was continuing to grow and it got easier and easier to get over the hurdles. So it was nice. Were you constantly at practice and traveling when you were also balancing school? It was tough, especially in college. You know, you have to really balance things. And um, when you are taking harder coursework or when you're in your major, and you're gone a lot for meets when you're in season, especially in the spring for us. It was really tough because you have to get really good at organizing and keeping track of when things are due versus when you're going to be gone, knowing what's realistic for you to do on the road and not, and know that you have to plan out your time really well. And I think it really demanded of me to develop some really good organizational skills, and that was really helpful. And I think successful college athletes have to really manage their time well and stay on top of things and calendar well and others, uh, other skills like that. And so I was really lucky that I was able to develop some of those to help myself be successful. It's hard when those things don't come naturally to you. Sometimes I am not very organized in my thought. I, I still don't even keep a calendar. It's just all in my head and I cross my fingers. <laughs> Hope for the best. <laughs> well, thankfully, my natural bent is to be a little more on the type A planner side. I come from a family that... This is funny to me now, but but it seemed totally normal growing up. My family would go on vacation to the beach together, and my grandfather would send out an itinerary for the week for our vacation. (laughs) And so when I tell people that, they're like, your family had an itinerary for your vacation? And I said, yes. And And that was totally normal. I just was like, didn't yours? You didn't have it scheduled? So I I come by it pretty honestly, so... I'm Caroline Moore, and today I am chatting with local educator Luke Anderson. What did you major in in college? So I was actually a Bible and ministry major. And part of why I majored in that is because I was trying to decide between teaching, counseling, and ministry. And to me, initially, youth ministry was kind of a a good mix of all of those. Um, and so I did work in that field for a little while and enjoyed the time, enjoyed working with kids, but it just wasn't the best fit for me personally um, when I got into the working field and um, had some other careers along the way, but then came back to education because I've just always liked working with kids. I've always really valued the importance of education and investing in the next generation. And that's just always been kind of central to my family and and who I am as well. And even in other careers that I had, whether it was in retail or financial planning, there was always an element of education that was part of that. I was always teaching people about how to invest their money or teaching managers how to manage people well or onboarding new employees and teaching them in retail how to, how to sell well and things like that. So 
um, education has always been kind of central to whatever job I have found myself in along the way. And retail is such a beast. It was. Everybody needs to work <laughs> in retail or hospitality just for their yeah. own personal development. Absolutely. And to learn how the world works. Yes. What did you learn from your experience in retail? I think a lot of it is just how to interact with people and know how to read people, first of all, know how to quickly assess both what people are saying to you, but they what they really mean. And those are not always the same thing. Uh not how to keep your emotions in check when other people are upset about something. Cause when you're in management and retail, then you have to be calm and you have to speak to people kindly, even when they aren't always being that way <laughs> towards you. Um, and also just how to problem solve quickly all the time and be really adaptable because every day is going to be different. I think that's really served me well in education too, because there's no two days in the classroom that are alike. There's always some kind of curveball that comes your way. And so it really taught me to be adaptable, to think on my feet and how to problem solve quickly. And I think those were all really great skills for me to have long term in addition to kind of working on the people skills as well. What brought you to Tennessee? How did you leave Oklahoma for Tennessee? I actually went from Oklahoma to Arkansas and then came to Tennessee. And I was just looking for a career change, found a good job opportunity and came to Tennessee. But I will say that when I was a little kid, I remember seeing, you know how in different states they advertise for tourism? I remember the Tennessee ad running in Oklahoma when I was a little kid and thinking that is the most beautiful place I've ever seen. I really want to live there someday. And I'm not making this up. And I had forgotten about it for years. And then when I actually ended up moving to Tennessee, I remembered I had flashbacks to remembering it was like, uh, come to Tennessee, we're playing your song was the song that they did throughout it. And I can still hear the tune in my head. And the last scene was this beautiful river and it was in the fall and all these trees were changing colors. And there was this this female hiker that was sitting on a rock in the middle of the river, like finishing the song. And I was like, that there's nothing like that around where I live that looks stunning. I love that. Like, that's for me. And here I am. Isn't it funny when you look back on your life and you see all these things kind of come together, like the commercial when you were little or just your experience in retail, even informing what you do now in education? Yeah, it, it's really great to see things come full circle. And um, it, it's just helpful to see that everything kind of works out in the end. When did you come to Livingston? So I first met my spouse um, eight years ago, roughly, almost exactly. Um, And he was from Livingston, so I went to the small town. But after we got married, I moved here um, two years ago, right after the pandemic. It was a crazy time because I had lived in Nashville before And the same tornado that hit Cookville hit my neighborhood. And actually, like, two doors down from me, there was a wall missing from the building and other things. And I was in my home when it happened. So it was really crazy. That happened, like, two or three weeks after we got married um, because I hadn't moved here yet. And then the pandemic hit. And so then I moved right after that. And so it was just a lot of change all at one time. And it was a weird time to move because it's not a time where people were really wanting to interact Things weren't normal, so I didn't really see what the town was like at the time because everything just kind of shut down. But in some ways, it was really nice because um, 
we were living together for the first time in our relationship, which was really nice to get time together and get time to get used to each other and adjust. And then also it was just a really beautiful and quiet time. It was really inspiring in a lot of ways. I started writing more. He started painting a lot more and actually birthed a show out of the time that that we had together then. So it was really lovely, but I don't feel like I got a true depiction of what it was like to move to this area until more recently when things are kind of back to normal a little bit. More with Luke Anderson right after the break. What's so important about shopping with locally owned businesses? When you shop local, your hard-earned dollars stay here in the community, helping to benefit your friends and neighbors, local schools, roads, and all aspects of community life. But what happens to my money if I spend it online or at a national chain store? In most cases, the profits go far away, out of state, corporate headquarters, or even overseas. It doesn't take any extra effort to shop local. Office Mart on South Jefferson and Cookville is your locally owned office furniture and supply store. For over 35 years, they've been proud to serve businesses in the Upper Cumberland with quality and value. You get real customer service, too. And unlike shopping online, you can actually see and try out the large inventory of office furniture in their showroom. And when it's delivered, it's not a box on your step. They're glad to install and set up everything. Office Mart. There's no other locally owned office store in the region. South Jefferson Avenue across from Hardee's. Shop local at Office Mart. Hello and welcome back to Local Matters. I'm Caroline Moore and today I am chatting with local educator Luke Anderson. I'm back. (laughs) (laughs) Here we are. Before the break, you mentioned that you worked in retail, financial planning, before you got into teaching. Mm -hmm. So what made you decide to be a teacher a little later than most? Yeah, I've always loved education. I mean, even when I was in high school, I remember at the church where I was attending, one of my best friends and I taught three-year-olds like three out of four quarters of the year. So I've just always enjoyed being in that role in some way, shape, or form. It's been part of different career iterations that I've had. Um, when I first went to financial planning, that was maybe the worst fit ever for me <laughs> because I wasn't, I didn't do poorly at the job, but I don't really care about money. That's why I'm a teacher. So um, I <laughs> like... It, it just was a bad fit for what I was interested in. And then when I was in retail, I just got to a point where it is great for those that are wired for it. Um, and I did well and, and worked my way up through stores and things, but I just, it's never enough. It will always ask more of you. It will always demand more of you. If you hit an all time high in sales, then how are you going to beat that next month? How are you going to beat that next year? And there's never any time to celebrate accomplishment. There's never any time to enjoy what you have done. There's never any rest. You're never really off when you're in management, especially because even if you go on vacation, if anything happens, I would always get calls while I was away. And so there was, you could never really let down. And that was, you know, a lot to deal with as well. And then I looked at the people that were ahead of me and I just didn't really want the life that they had. And so I took some stock. I don't know if it was like my midlife crisis or what it was, but I was in my mid thirties and, and just thought I need to redirect and I need to get out of this before I feel stuck with it while I still can make a change. And so I went back to, you know, originally when I was in college, I was thinking about either education counseling or youth ministry. And so I thought, you know, I I think I'm ready to go back and work with kids again and, and really would like to pursue education. And so I actually did, an alternative certification to what most people did since I didn't want to go back and start over in school. 
And financially, that just wasn't really feasible. I needed to work. But I found a charter school in Nashville that was willing to hire me. I'd sub for them some while I was transitioning. And they were willing to hire me on a provisional license while I finished um, my teacher certification degree at Lipscomb. And so I went to Lipscomb and did their program while I was teaching full-time for the first time. It was pretty tough to be a first-year teacher and be in school at the same time. That's a lot. But I... You know, I, I'm a school nerd, so I love it. So it's fine. <laughs> it, it worked out, but it, I mean, it just was a lot of work to to get to that point. But I knew it was getting me where I needed to be in a way that I could do it feasibly financially. And so you just do what you got to do in situations like that. Do you remember anything about the first class or the first day that you ever taught or substituted? Um, well, the first day I substituted, um, was very different than the first day I taught. The <laughs> first day I substituted, um, I was at a, I was subbing at a school that, um, was kind of having a rough year and they were just happy to have warm bodies that could help out. And <laughs> I got put in a room with a whole grade with only one other person and didn't know anybody's name. Um, and no. a fight broke out. And I didn't know what to do. And I was like, they're never going to let me come back here. And it was terrifying. And so um, I was surprised that they called me back to sub again. I think they were surprised that I wanted to come back and sub again. (laughs) The feeling was mutual. Yes. um, I just remember all that was left at the end. They had some, for some reason, put them on the library. And then they brought apples to them, like as a snack. And so all that was left at the end was just like apples and like, and just mess after all the kids left. And I was like, what just happened? So, um, but I, I taught fifth grade, my first full year of teaching. Um, for the first two years, I taught fifth grade English language arts and really loved working with them. But I decided that I think high school was going to be a better fit for me. I'm naturally sarcastic and I need to be able to utilize that in my toolbox. And so, um, high school students speak that better. You have to, Oh, they know sarcasm. Yes, it's their, it's my native tongue. <laughs> it's their native tongue. And so then we can communicate better. So that's really helpful. But, um, I also am more interested in higher level literacy and writing and not really foundational reading as much, just what I enjoy more. And so, uh, it was a better fit for me to move up to the high school level, but, um, yeah, I really enjoyed making the transition into education. And then a lot of the things, a lot of the skill sets that I had developed earlier on really translated well. And so one thing that was really nice is a lot of teachers that are coming right out of college, I mean, that's great. And it's a great option for those that know right away that they want to do it. However, since I was coming to it later in life, I already knew who I was. I already knew how to hold a space. I was not easily intimidated by a room full of kids. (laughs) And I think that really served me well, especially with classroom management because then um, a fifth grader was not going to hurt my feelings. A fifth grader was not going to run my room. It was my room. And I had enough age on them where that wasn't a big deal. And then high school, I had enough age on them where it was not a big deal because it, it was my classroom. They were invited there, but it was my space that I could hold because I had a little age on me and a little experience on me. And I had dealt with you know, upset customers and retail and and difficult situations of financial planning and other things that I brought that life experience that I think made the transition into teaching even easier and made classroom management especially a lot easier for me than it did for somebody who maybe it was their first job. It'd be a lot more challenging, I think. Well, kids, especially if they smell blood, (laughs) they will go for the jugular. You cannot let them have an inch. (laughs) 
They smell fear, as you know from subbing. Uh, yes, I've substituted. Done that before, and I, subbing is a way more difficult job than teaching. Way more difficult, I think. So I don't know, because at least at the end of the day, I got to leave them. <laughs> I didn't have to do a lesson plan or anything. Yeah. So pros and cons. Yeah, but I'm a planning nerd, so I love all that part of the job a lot, too. That was another thing is I really... I'm a planner by nature, as we talked about before. So um, it suited my strengths to, I mean, I already have a calendar for the whole year set up. I know what we're doing every day. I know what standards we're covering, all this kind of thing. I just, I love getting into the nitty gritty of all of that. And so I really enjoy a lot of the aspects of the job as well. So it was a natural fit for a lot of things that I kind of fall into naturally. And students appreciate the structure too. I think so. I think I think students do better when they know that things are going to be consistent and fair. And it's much easier to do that when you go in with a plan every day, I think. What are you teaching at Cookville High School this year? Yeah, so I teach AP English Literature um, as one of the courses I teach, which I'm really proud of my students. I have to brag on them for just a minute because last year we just got our AP results back and we had 100% of our students pass the AP exam in the AP literature course, which I don't know if that's ever happened before or not because I've only been in this district for a little while, but it is very unusual. That's a huge deal. And so we were really excited um, that all of them passed that. And so I'm just really proud of their work. They work really hard. I make them write a lot. But I also want them to be prepared for what is coming in college. Um, A lot of them are really gifted and I want to push them. And so um, because I know what they're capable of and I know that, you know, you've got to draw that out of them. And so I was just really pleased with the results that they had. So really excited about that. And then I also teach English, too, which is primarily sophomores, but a little bit of everything. And in those spaces, I teach inclusion classes, which also includes students um, who might have alternative learning styles, um, maybe challenges or, or difficulties, and then also English language, English language learner students. And so maybe English isn't their first language. Um, and so I kind of have all different types of students that I deal with between those two courses, which I really enjoy. Um, they're fulfilling in very different ways. And so um, really enjoy the balance of both of those. More with Luke Anderson right after the break. Hello and welcome back to Local Matters. I'm Caroline Moore and today I am chatting with local educator Luke Anderson. Hello, hello. Hello. Luke, you are now teaching at Cookville High School. Yes. Is this your third or third year? Fourth? This is my third year at Cookville High School. Yeah. What was it like coming to a new school as a teacher? Yeah, it's it was really interesting because I'd worked in charter networks before, and so this was my first regular public school to work for. Um, like anything else, there there's good and bad with anything. There's differences. I've become really close with a lot of people that I worked with in Nashville, so it's always hard to leave when you have strong bonds. And coming during the COVID year as my first year was kind of a weird year to start a new school because everybody kept very to themselves, understandably so, but it wasn't a great year to go be the new kid on the block. But at the same time, really enjoyed the students, um, had great experiences with them. They were very persistent considering all of the difficult circumstances that they were going through. Um, people were very helpful considering all the difficult circumstances that teachers were going through and were understanding of that. So that was helpful. 
but also just a weird year to be new. And I will say the second year was a lot easier because I felt like I was able to build a lot more camaraderie with my peers at Cookville High School. We were able to interact more in meetings and other things. And so it felt more like a regular school year. And so that really helped a lot for me to feel more at home in that space and uh, really enjoy working with the English department there. Um, love the subjects that I teach. I mean, if I could pick what I wanted to teach, I would pick the things that I am, I'm getting to. So that was really nice as well. But yeah, it was weird. But also since people knew my spouse, I feel like I was able to kind of, uh, be able to ride on that goodwill already that was established (laughs) as you know. Um, and so that was really helpful because people were nice to me, but I don't really think it was because of me, but that's okay. I will take it. It was great. Of course they were. (laughs) You mentioned it was hard to leave Nashville in your old school. Do you still keep in touch with this, with the students that you taught in Nashville? Um, I don't, I don't keep in touch with a lot of the students. I keep in touch with more of the faculty that I taught Mm -hmm. with and then hear about the students through them more. Um, because as a teacher, I don't, I don't really interact with kids on social media and things like that. I kind of keep that separate for them. (laughs) It just, I just feel like it's, it's better. Sometimes you find out things you don't want to know, all that kind of thing. And so I'm like, when you graduate, you can find me. But a lot of the grades that I taught are just now at the age where that would have happened anyway. So, um, but I do keep up with them through other people there. I actually went back, um, the first year that I taught here, there was a, a class that I had taught multiple times, like a, a graduating class of seniors that my first year when I was in Cookville, I went back to their graduation um, in Nashville because I just they were like my babies and I had been with them three years. And so I did go back to see them and, you know, got lots of pictures and hugs and things like that from all of them when they were graduating because they were they were my kids and I, I had spent a lot of time with them over the years. So it was really good to see a lot of them do well, graduate. What is your teaching mission or how do you want students to feel or what knowledge do you want them to walk away with when they leave your class? That's a big question, right? (laughs) More than anything, I want students to feel empowered. I want them to not be intimidated by the subject matter, especially in English too, where I teach students that sometimes they come in and they, English is their arch nemesis because it's a place they don't necessarily feel like they can be successful. It's really satisfying to have them at the end of the year realize that they can do a lot of the work that we're doing. And if they will trust me and if they will do the work and give me everything they got, then I will take care of them and they will be successful in my space. And if they will just be open to trying and open to new experiences, then they will surprise themselves with what they can accomplish. And so that's really enjoyable to get to see them go through that process, especially if it's something that they haven't experienced much before, especially in an English space. Um, For AP, it's a little different. I want them to walk away feeling like they are college ready. I want them to not be intimidated by having to write a college level paper, by reading college level text. None of that I want. I want them to go to school and their friends may be struggling to crank out a paper their freshman year and they can bang one out immediately because they've already been writing and thinking on that level. And I want them to be able to go to the party on Saturday night because they're already done with their homework because it's not overwhelming to them to make that transition because I think a lot of students that don't do advanced level work in college, the step up is pretty steep. And if they have already been able to do that level work, but with more support in a high school space, then the transition to college is so much easier for them. And I just want them to be successful there and to remember that they have a skill set that will transfer not only to college, but also to the workplace. And that 
ultimately, I think English is about giving kids a voice and helping them to learn how to amplify that voice in various ways, whether it's through speaking, through writing, um, or through receiving information and then being able to have an informed opinion about things. And I think that's a really important skill set that kids need, citizens need, people in the job market need. And so I just want my kids to have a powerful voice and learn how to use that well so that people will take them seriously when they have something to say. I'm Caroline Moore, and today I am chatting with local educator Luke Anderson. And Luke, as if you had not been in education enough, you are getting your PhD. I am, because I'm a sucker for punishment, that's why. (laughs) It is school night and day for you. So you leave Cookville High School, Mm -hmm. and then you go to tech. I do. What are you getting your PhD in? I'm getting my PhD in program planning and evaluation. I just finished my EDS and curriculum and instruction um, last fall. And so I was able to get that along the way. And so this has been really nice because it gives you a chance to think about education on a research level. And so that's something I had never really had the opportunity to do before. And so I'm enjoying thinking about delving into research topics. Also, I'm thinking down the line about possibly doing curriculum development or consulting work um, that having a doctorate might give me the chance to do. And so kind of supplemental work to teaching, but I love education. And so I don't want to leave the classroom. That's really important to me um, because it just, that's, that's what feeds me about this job is, is interaction with students and being able to build relationships with them. And so um, hopefully this will just give me more flexibility and ways to supplement that. You also have a passion project. <laughs> it is yes. an Instagram account dedicated to your cat. Uh, it is. And it is very popular. It is. It has 6,800 followers, which is crazy That's to me. Nearly 7,000 people follow your cat. It's insane. How tell, did this become my life? Tell us a little bit about your cat, J-Lo. Yes. Yeah, so um, <laughs> the account is Reluctant Cat Dad because I did not want her. I did not want a cat. I grew up having some not great experiences with cats. The next door neighbor growing up next to us uh, fed all the strays in the neighborhood and they used our yard as their litter box. And it it just made my dad so mad all the time. And so, and they were not really well cared for. And so it just, and they were smelly and it just, I was like, I had a very negative impression of cats and they seemed very standoffish and not sweet like dogs. And so I was like, I want nothing to do with them. (laughs) Unfortunately, um, I married somebody who is an animal lover and grew up on a farm. And so I did not get a choice in the matter. And so, um, he lived across from a house that had burned down uh, or didn't burn down, but like caught on fire. And so the people had to move out for a little while and they left this poor cat behind and didn't feed it. They left their dogs there and would come back and feed the dogs, but they did not feed the cat. And so he being the kind hearted person that he is, he would go feed the cat, but I would make him feed her across the street where she lived <laughs> because I didn't want her thinking that our house or his house was home. That's before I lived there. And then when I wasn't there during the week, because I still lived in Nashville, he would start feeding her in the driveway and then he would start letting her in the house. And I knew I was onto it. I knew that's what he was doing. And I was so mad because I was like, we are not having cat in the house. This is not our cat. And he named her and he made friends with her. Um, And so her name was JLo. And little by little, she just became part of our lives. We didn't realize this at the time. She was pregnant whenever we got her. And... um, 
So, but he is her favorite dad because he says it's because I emotionally rejected her at first, <laughs> which I think is funny, but you probably also true. Each other. I know it's true. <laughs> but now we love each other and um, I go to bed later. And so our time together is late at night when it's just the two of us that are awake and she'll come hang out with me. Um, but the rest of the time I'm the backup in, in case of emergency dad. Um, but I, the whole reason I started the Instagram is because when we finally decided that like she was going to be our cat or whatever, of course, everybody thinks their pet is like the most beautiful, but she is a very, very beautiful. She's cat. gorgeous. You guys, I promise you, she is a stunning cat. She deserves the name JLo because she really is I mean, a gorgeous, gorgeous girl. She's a beautiful <laughs> diva for a reason. So, um, and so I did not want to be one of those people that filled my whole personal Instagram with pictures of my cat. Cause I was like, nobody wants to see that, whatever. So I created a separate account, the reluctant cat dad account, just so I'm like, if anybody really wants to go see that, they can go see it. Well, it just has taken on a life of its own. I mean, it's crazy. I mean, some of the reels have thousands and thousands of views and it's just, I don't understand it necessarily, you but get it's free fun. toys. It's, yeah. So, I mean, literally this week we got somebody that wants to send her a toy to play with. And so we're going to let her, you know, play with it and see what happens. But, um, so yeah, people will reach out for partnerships and other things, but, but it's just for fun. I mean, really, I, I don't want it to be something any, I don't want it to be a job. I want it to be something I just do that, um, celebrates her. I get to write stupid and silly captions about how she's having a love affair with a local cat, but right now they're on the outs. So if you have not been keeping up with her, A-Rod is her boyfriend, but not boyfriend because he's been really cold lately <laughs> and he's been going and spending time at the neighbor's house across the way from us. So we're a little worried that he might've moved on. Um, JLo is currently in a frenemy um situation with some birds that we're about to talk about on the account so stay tuned um so anyway it's just it, it's silly and fun but also during the pandemic is when it started so it was a good time to just you know get to go yeah, enjoy everybody that. needs a release it was and, and to make something fun and the captions are so funny y'all my mom is begging luke to make them into a book <laughs> shout out to cheryl she's our number one fan <laughs> my mom loves reluctant cat dad if y'all are on instagram you gotta follow reluctant cat dad <laughs> i mean it's just it's just fun and and it shows a lot of her personality because she does have a lot of personality i will say she's so. very funny and she's gorgeous as we said she and is. she's the mother of my cat she is she's juno's mother so yes although they're very they're very different personality wise yes polar Um. opposites (laughs) well thank you so much luke for coming in and talking about education and your gorgeous cat and we'll see y'all next week thank you to the future dr anderson oh thank you (laughs)